0: Collegiately seeking. And we are underway. Needs a block on the picker. He gets it. And will he go the distance? Yes, he will. Touchdown, Michigan State. As the Hokies deliver the dagger here in Tallahassee. Intercepted by the Wildcats.
1: The Wildcats win. Unbelievable. Here's Collegiately Speaking, your one stop shop for college football news. Collegiately Speaking. With Dave Ennett and former Northwestern quarterback Dan Persson. How much do you want to make a bet I can throw football over the mountain? Collegiately Collegiately Speaking.
0: And welcome to week five of Collegiately Speaking from WGNRadio.com, our weekly look at what's happening around college football. Dave Ennett here alongside. Number seven, Dan Persis. We take a look at what's been going on and what's going to happen this week. Dan, good to be back with you again. And we talked a lot last week about this Wisconsin-Iowa game. And, you know, I think if you look back to what we were discussing last week on the podcast, I think things kind of went according to plan. Everybody knew it was going to be a tough game for Wisconsin, and it was. Wisconsin is able to pull it out.
2: Absolutely, and I think the the thing that I saw um, more than anything was Hornerbrook really step up and and have a great game, and, you know, including that last drive. But you know, it was tough, right? Iowa kind of gave it away on two two drop or one fumble and then a, a drop punt slash touch that gave Wisconsin the ball at their at their own or Iowa's ten. So. I don't know. I just feel like Iowa kind of gave it away. Wisconsin, you know, played well enough to win. Made the plays at the end of the game to win, uh, especially that that fourth fourth quarter drive, which is again, Hornerbrook was really impressive. And mm-hmm. that even that last throw for the touchdown. I mean, that's that's two verticals. That's you know. A very tight window to throw that into. That's an NFL throw, and he drilled it um, when when Wisconsin needed it. So I think that's that's kind of the thing that he's always been known for. You know, having some some games that make you scratch your head, but you know, when the chips are down, for the most part, he plays really well.
0: You know, you wonder does that erase the doubts which might have cropped up about Wisconsin after the BYU loss? I,
2: yeah, I don't know. I think if you watch the game, um, not really. Uh, I don't think they're head and shoulders above the Big Ten West. I think Iowa should have won the game. Had they not dropped or gave away those those two turnovers um, on on the punt team but you know I, I think Wisconsin's a great team. I, I just don't see them head and shoulders above everybody. I know it's it's tough to play at Iowa at night in the atmosphere like we talked about was there, but I just wasn't, you know, overly impressed with Wisconsin to say, all right, just give them the big ten West.
0: You know, once you get into conference play you tend to figure out who the contenders are who the pretenders are we've talked a little bit about this everybody's fired up about uh, the way Indiana had played the way Minnesota had played bubble kind of burst for them a little bit Minnesota still looks like their better team but how do you lose a game like that to Maryland
2: yeah and it wasn't really ever close um, and that's the thing you thought that they'd taken the right steps they've started you know started very strong with an undefeated record and once they got into big 10 play you'd hope they prove that that they're there and they can compete with kind of the you know if you want to call Maryland a, a mid-level big 10 team and it, and it wasn't close so I think you know for for the Minnesota coach to P.J. Fleck to to reflect on that and say well you know we had a good start but are we really where we want to be at this point and after that game I would say no. Well, we got some intriguing
0: matchups coming up this week. Michigan in town to play Northwestern on Saturday. We'll talk about that. But Saturday night in Happy Valley, the ninth-ranked Penn State Nittany Lions hosting the fourth-ranked Ohio State Buckeyes. And we're pleased to be joined by our friend Steve Jones, the voice of the Nittany Lions. And uh, they're going to have the whiteout. So, Steve, are you already dressed head-to-toe in white, or do you wait till Saturday?
1: Uh, yeah, in fact, I, I went to PatFood.com, and uh, <laughs> <No>. so, <laughs> uh, this, look, this is obviously going to be a lot of fun. And, Dave, first of all, I think it's great you put a Pennsylvania guy on the show again. Absolutely,
2: okay? right? I've yeah, been a few whiteouts in uh, my day.
1: That line's on. All right?
0: So. Got to represent. <laughs> it's no yeah, co- you represent. Yeah, it's no coincidence. Believe me, <laughs> <All> Steve. <right. laughs> So, uh, I mean, I can't even imagine what the atmosphere is like, the build-up for this game already uh, for this game on Saturday night. People just have to be already lining up in, uh, in anticipation of this matchup. You
1: well, know, in fact, I am sitting right next to what is Nittanyville. And this is there's a kids in tents. They started camping out to get into the front row of the stadium on Saturday night. And they've got tents that extend all the way out to the street here. Uh, to do that. That's how excited, and it poured here Monday night, and they sat in those tents (laughs) on Monday night. They keep them occupied, they have a good time with it, and that's how excited they are. They've already got their own tent city set up for Saturday.
0: Steve, how do you look at uh, Penn State's performance the last few games? I know it was a bit of an uneven start against Appalachian State, but then uh, kind of got things going against Pitt. And then 63 points in each of the last two ball games. But, but in kind of an odd way against Illinois on Friday night. You ever seen a game like that where you know, you're, you're you're wondering if you're going to be able to pull it out in the second half, and you end up, winning it by, what, just about 40 points?
1: Well, in fact, the last three games, and, you know, Dave and I, you, you and I spoke to basketball, so we'll talk about, hey, they've run off 12 unanswered points. Penn State has had 40 or more unanswered points in each of its last three games. But I don't think there was any uh, coincidence that when you looked at the game on Friday night against Illinois, Penn State was a road team wearing all white because once they got going, it was like an avalanche. Uh, and they they just, Hit a rhythm. And a, but the other part that's critical to that, when we talk about quote unanswered points, and that means you're not giving up any. So after giving up 17 unanswered in Illinois and really being off kilter defensively, they then suddenly got that striped out. So it was an odd game. There's no question about that.
2: Yeah, Steve. I, I think watching that game, it's you know playing in playing in Champagne on a Friday night, probably not close to a whiteout. Uh, so that can probably you know <laughs> explain the the slow start. Speaking of kind of a, a starter plug, or who who kind of gets everybody going on the team for for those that don't fight or follow Penn State as as closely as you do? Is it the offense that gets rolling, then the defense steps up, or the defense gets a stop and Trace McStory's sorely goes off for for forty points? who's who, who's kind of the fire starter there?
1: Yeah, the fire started, Dan's the offense. Uh, right. I think it starts with Trace McSorley, then, then Sanders, a guy like K.J. Hamler who's become a dynamic young playmaker. But the area where they've come out of sanctions that we all knew would be the slowest to come back because, would be the offensive line. Well, now they've got depth and they've got veterans on the offensive line, and that's made the biggest difference of this team. Right, Miles Sanders had 22 carries for 200 yards, Dan and not one negative play. All 200 were straight ahead. There were no plays for loss in that game. Then the defense plays off of that. Now, the defense has to do a better job of getting some takeaways, setting the offense up. They did that in the fourth quarter against Illinois. But in this game coming up on Saturday night, we're going to have to get Haskins to do something he hasn't done this year. He's only throw one in a section the season.
2: Right. Yeah, talking about Trace, maybe maybe talk about his development. I think I've I've followed him probably more closely than others because he's a new and improved version of of myself, you know. That's right, yes. Yeah, um, you know, he's he's been a three-year starter now. I think, you know, when they won the Big Ten title um, a couple years ago, everybody was focused on Saquon and... Um, you know, Trace was kind of just a you know a Chuck and Duck kind of guy, right? That he would just throw it up, and guys would go make plays. And I think last year he he really took a you know a huge step in his development as becoming a, a very polished intermediate passer, which at the end of the day wins games. And then th- this year it seems like he's built on that. You know, I don't know if there's a maybe correct me if I'm wrong, but is there a better true dual threat quarterback than Trace right now?
1: Well, let me say it this way: I wouldn't trade him. Uh, right. And there's a lot of attributes that you had as a quarterback that he has. I always liked your poise. I always thought you delivered the ball really well. And I thought you always picked your spots to run at the right time. You didn't like, the first sign of trouble. You wouldn't just take off and run. Uh, I thought that was a big difference between you and Kane. Right. Uh, traces like that. He will not, the first sign of trouble, he picks his head up like you did. right? And he makes a play downfield in the pass game. And then, okay, it's all covered. Now I'll run. Right. I'll say this, when he is involved, though, in a designated running game, and he actually takes the ball and runs, he actually makes Penn State's running game better when he does that. But he's the focal point of what they do, and justifiably so.
2: Right, and maybe talk about his leadership. I know he's, he's a pretty, not flashy is the wrong word, but he's a pretty excitable guy um, with big plays. Is, is he like that in the locker room, too? Do you guys kind of feed off him and, and look to him in any sign of adversity?
1: You know what's interesting about that, Dan, is he's had to, as in practices, he's had to, to be more vocal. Right. Uh, I think he took, you know, with enough seniors around in the last couple of years, he kind of took a secondary role, you know, even though he's the quarterback. And James had to pull him aside and say, look, this is now, quote, your team. You've got to step up and be more vocal. So this year he has been after being a bit more deferential the last couple of years.
2: Yeah, that really speaks to it his development more than anything. That's great to hear. So,
0: uh, so Steve, by my count, I'm not a math major, but uh, these two teams uh, average a combined uh, 1,113 yards of offense Uh, and, and just about uh, what? 110 points a game. So I take it you're not making any like post-game dinner plans or anything for Saturday.
1: Uh, No, we expect to get in at about one in the morning. And, uh, And it's not like Iowa was possible. The game was over in an hour and 45. Uh, <laughs> so exactly. It's going to be a fun game. It's going to be a lot like watching a Golden State Warriors game. <laughs> it's right. Like yeah. going up and down the field.
0: Well, uh, Grant Healy's gone, right? He's not there anymore?
1: Yeah, no, he's hanging with the Johns for the practice squad right now. So yeah, And you know what? That is the only blocked field goal. Run back for a touchdown in the history of Penn State football. The only time it's ever been done.
0: Isn't that amazing? But that was the game two years ago. And then last year, a barn burner right at the horseshoe came down to, what, a one-point game? Like, each team put up almost 40?
1: Yeah, 39-38. to And, again, a block kick was critical in that one because Denzel Ward, who was the fourth overall pick by the Browns, came off the edge, blocked the punt, they scored.
0: That was really a a 10, maybe 14-point turnaround when that happened. All right. Well, final question uh, before we let you go, and I appreciate your time. You look at Penn State's schedule. uh, You get Iowa and Wisconsin as your crossover games. You get those at Beaver Stadium. Uh, You go on the road to Michigan. That looks among your remaining road games – you do have Michigan State, I know that. But among your remaining road games, that looks like the the hurdle that's that's still out there. Is this kind of one of those, you don't want to get too far down the road, but uh, in a way, the winner of this game is, is absolutely in the driver's seat in the East.
1: What helps Dave is that there's a bye week after this game. I think that allows them to take a deep breath and then refocus on what they need to do. I don't think it's any coincidence after that 39-38 game in Columbus last year where both teams laid it all out there. Both teams lost the next week. Penn State lost at Michigan State in that three-and-a-half-hour delay game, and Iowa blew out Ohio State. I think they both laid it out so much last year against each other that I don't think either one had enough in the tank to win the next week. Having a bye week that going allow them to take a deep breath, win or lose, and then recalibrate
0: going to be a fun one. Steve, enjoy it. I uh, can't imagine what it's going to be like there on Saturday night, but but have fun and wear white. Thanks, Steve. Hey, hey, good
1: luck <laughs> with Michigan this week, guys. Dan, thanks so much, Dave. Appreciate
0: it. Steve, thanks. Good talking to you. That's Steve Jones, the voice of the Penn State Nittany Lions. And uh, it should be a terrific game. I, I think, you know, your, your tendency would be to look at this game and say, well, you know, Ohio State – they, they've been so consistent but but again they've gone in there in this game and, and and he also brought up the Iowa game last year uh this is a game that I think that uh, Penn State feels like they can win and and you, I, obviously their defense can play at a level where they can beat Ohio State
2: yeah it's it's just tough to survive a whiteout. out I think you know at night with those kids going crazy. I remember when we played there and it was Joe Paz, I think with win. It wasn't a whiteout, but when they got into the game, um, when they made a little bit of a, a comeback, you know, people were jumping the stadium. You could feel the stadium shaking. Like it, it's crazy at night. And my parents will be there. So I don't know if they'll be, you know, jumping up and down and part of that, but, um, you know, they're, they're going to be in attendance. So it's, it's just a great atmosphere. And I think the thing more than anything is like the lead up to the game. Um, you know, you play in Columbus, you play in Iowa City. It, they're great places, but Penn State, just the way they tailgate. Um, you know, a lot of those stadiums are built into the ground too. Um, Penn State, you drive up to, it's nothing but farmland, and then all of a sudden, you just see, you know, cornfields of people. Um, you know, half of them which won't even go into the game, but that are just going crazy. And then you drive up to this this stadium that's coming out of the ground on top of a hill. It looks like something out of Game of Thrones. And you're like, all right, well, jeez, well, we better get ready to go here. So I think the atmosphere. I think it's the lines about three right now. Ohio State's definitely more talented, but I think the way Trace McSorley feeds off energy in the crowd, and I don't know with with his experience in big games, I, I think Penn State's gonna gonna win. I don't I, I don't know.
0: Yeah, I'm with you on that. And I remember the first time going in there. Uh, to see Penn State in the early 90s when they came into the Big Ten. And you you come in from the airport. Well, actually, we came in from Harrisburg, I think, because you couldn't even fly in back then in, the, in a bigger plane. And the Beaver Stadium itself, now they've done some modifications to it. They've expanded it. It looks different now than it right. did back then, more than 20 years ago. Wasn't really all that impressive looking.
2: No, it's, it's kind of like yeah, an Erector set. Right, so I was just going to say,
0: and, uh, you know, but but the atmosphere you're—I right. I mean, people go there much like they do at Notre Dame. I've seen this, where people drive in in their RVs and they spend the week, but they never go into the stadium to see the game.
2: Right. They have their TV set up. It's—they yep. have food and beer out there. They're—they're they're good. They're gonna—they're gonna skip the game.
0: All right. Let's talk about the game at Evanston Saturday, Michigan and Northwestern. The Wildcats dealt a, a major blow, and and Jeremy Larkin. Dealt a a blow and it's it's great to see the way he's responded to it Uh, the uh, cervical stenosis which has forced him to retire from football Uh, off to a great start in his playing career but you know that this guy's going to be successful and whatever he does he's going to be a student assistant coach now but where does it leave this football team, without their leading rusher, their all-purpose guy, and such a dynamic force out of the backfield.
2: It's a tough spot, and you really feel for Jeremy. He's worked so hard for this opportunity. He had a great year last year, and just off to a, a great start. And with Clayton not... Well, you know, he looked really good against Akron, just at least from a mobility standpoint. But with Clayton... Getting healed, Jeremy was really the go-to guy, and I feel like he, you know, he had three great games. And to see this happen, and you know, a lot of people thought he was an NFL guy, and um, it's unfortunate. But at the, at the end of the day, that's why you go to a school like Northwestern. Um, he's he's a great kid, and I've had a chance to to talk to him a few times, and he'll he'll do fine. But you know, you you got to feel for him because it's it was such a great opportunity in front of him. But the you know, Northwestern has a lot of talent at running back; they just don't have that that experience, the big play experience, more than anything. They you have know, John Moten and, and a handful. Full of other guys, Isaiah Bowser, um, but they just they haven't been out there as much. So you know, hopefully they they seize the opportunity. I know you know John Moulton's really ready for it um, after he kind of took a backseat to to Jeremy as the third guy last year. So it's tough. It's you know after two losses like that to then lose your best player, it's really a kick in the gut.
0: It uh, puts a lot of pressure, doesn't it, on Clayton Thorson now to try to carry this offense. Not that he wasn't already the guy anyway, right. To do that, but now. You're going to have to rely more heavily, at least for now, you would think, on the passing game. Plus, you're playing one of the best defensive teams in college football this week.
2: It's a scary matchup. I think you look at their front seven. I don't know if there's a better front seven. You know... Maybe with Nick Bosa, Ohio State is a better one. But with Nick Bosa out, I think you know Michigan has the best front seven right now, and that's scary with injuries on the offensive line for Northwestern. That's a matchup that they weren't going to win healthy. Now that they have you know some backups and some guys banged up, I just I don't know. I, I don't see how how, how this is going to work out for them. A lot of teams have um, bye weeks this week in the Big Ten. You have five
0: teams with buys: Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Maryland, Minnesota, and Wisconsin. Purdue's playing at Nebraska. Nice win for the Boilermakers over Boston College. Now they go to Lincoln, and the Cornhuskers looked bad against Michigan. So we go back to Michigan and Northwestern. Uh, was Michigan that much better than Nebraska, or is Nebraska just really uh, far from being a competitive team at the Big Ten right now?
2: Yeah, I think it's it's two teams going in different directions. Um, Michigan's got gotten. <laughs> much better every week in nebraska it just seems like there's a little dissension within the team that i think they were just ships passing the night going on on different directions and yeah i think michigan was that much better and nebraska is getting visibly worse um so you know hopefully hopefully they play well against purdue but i think purdue's a they're a really good you know one in three team they've lost three games by eight points so i think for not for some stupid mistakes. They're, they have a different season right now, and it was great to see him get a win against R- Boston College. Rondell
0: Moore at it again. Right. Uh, he's been a, a dynamo for that Purdue team. All right, before we wrap things up here, we got to bring in our producer, Super Joe Romano, with the Super Joe Prediction of the Week. And refresh our memory, Super Joe. How'd you do last week? Uh Michigan State covered against Indiana, so that was pretty okay. good. good. Smart move. Okay, so what you got for us this week, Joe? You know, like you said, there's a lot of teams off this week in the Big Ten. There's only four conference interconference games, and the home team is catching points in all four. And I'm actually going to the biggest spread. I'm gonna say Indiana goes on the road and covers a seventeen and a half point spread in New Jersey against Rutgers. All right, so Rutgers, yeah. Rutgers well, they've they've struggled there's yeah. no question and and they're they it doesn't look like there's any relief in sight for them either and and i think that this indiana team despite their loss to michigan state and and that's a that's a tough one for them but they still i think are an improved team and i think they're better defensively than they've been last few years and i think their offense has shown they can put up points i agree with that yeah absolutely so i think it's a good pick super joe So we'll uh, we'll be back next week, and you can take a bow. (laughs) All right, that's gonna. By the way, next week Maryland at Michigan, uh, Northwestern goes to Michigan State, Iowa at Minnesota. So some good matchups coming up next week. Real quickly, Dan, another matchup we ought to touch on real quick: uh, Stanford and Notre Dame, couple of top ten teams in South Bend.
2: It's going to be a great game, and I think if you look at Notre Dame, obviously they schedule to, to get to the playoffs, and you, you look down their schedule. A lot of teams that they scheduled aren't turning out so great right now with Florida State really kind of tanking. So they're rooting for Michigan, and they need a win against Stanford as as kind of two big wins. And if, if they drop this game, I think it's going to be tough for them to sneak back in the playoff. But they're two teams that are you know on a roll. I think Stanford had a great win against Oregon, and, and now that Notre Dame has, it looks like, a more – not dynamic, but a more complete quarterback to really get the offense going. I think it's, it's going to be a fun game to watch. that going be some great games to watch. Good week for split screen or to be
0: in a bar with lots right. of screens, right? And that's going to do it for this week's Collegiately Speaking. Thanks to Super Joe Romano, our producer, and to Dan Persa. I'm Dave Ennett. Thanks for being with us. We'll see you next week.